everybody, and you're listening to something that is maybe on the late side, but given the fact of where we are and where we actually have other rooms, that's really not surprising because we are here for you now about Dragon Ball up on the lookout. Now, for those of you who don't know, Up on the Lookout is a Dragon Ball podcast with a difference. Here, we like to talk about topics related to the show and the franchise as a whole, but doing a little bit more laid-back style, our own little musings, we don't take ourselves too seriously, but we like to have some nice little wacky ideas that might be high in the sky, hence we are Up on the Lookout itself. Joining me, as always, is my trusty sidekick, Havarok. Hello, I am the Wanderer. Yeah, the Wanderer. I roam around, around, around. And we, and we are here to discuss not just one topic, but two. But first of all, if you are listening on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, do subscribe for future editions of this podcast, as well as our audio drama about Freezer being good, Revelation F, which is a very fun experience for us to write on together. And just to produce in general and we are actually coming up to the finale which ideally i might like to get out for next week but episode 11 as we're recording this is about to drop in a few hours which i'm really excited to see and what people think about it let's get on to the main topic itself well first of the main topics which is of course the manga yes the manga may have come out about a week and a half ago but the reason why it didn't come out is because both Hav and I were on vacation. And this is something we wanted to do for a long time. We had loads of videos in the can ready to go so we can take a bit of a break. But as luck would have it, Toyotaro decided to just drop it on us anyway, which meant that our podcast review about this is a little bit later than we would like, as well as including the reveal of the latest movie title, as well as some little tidbits here and there. I did do a live stream with Carthu. But here, this is something where we've actually had some time to think about it as a whole and whether we actually like what we saw or not. So let's kick things off with chapter 74. And that manga, that manga chapter, despite the leaks that we did get, we saw a hashtag, well, no, not hashtag, quote unquote, glorious amount of spoilers. But it's something I think has grown on the community the more it's been around, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, this, you know, this just teaches us that you shouldn't really uh, you know, judge anything by spoilers or some scans without the context. As Brandon said to us, you know, a few weeks ago. So uh, I like I may be biased, but I think this is one of my favorite super chapters period yeah i will admit i did fall foul of that and i did make a video about the transformation but i felt like it was something i absolutely had to give a hot take on because this is something relatively significant for the story it's a transformation yeah definitely but at the same time it's um it's also something that Hav and I can be a little bit smug about, but we'll talk more about the transformation itself in a bit, because there was about like 95% of the chapter before we even saw that happen. So I think the main thing that we need to take into account here is that, yeah, sure enough, Granola is slowly going mad and there will be consequences of all of his careless actions on the on planet Serial with the Shigarians. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I want to start this discussion with is that there is one 
pretty controversial line that I saw that didn't run well with people when Vegeta says, prepare to perish along with your people's history. But I'm going to be Dabura's advocate here. Uh, because right before that, Vegeta says, uh, if that's your stance, then why should I hold back? I expected as much. Like, I know that a lot of people are like, oh, Vegeta doesn't care about Cerulean tragedy and stuff. But like, we need to look at those chapters, uh, you know, learned after Moro as some sort of connective tissue. And Vegeta here, I once again want, want to repeat that, is doing the exact same way of uh, opposite psychology, you know, reverse psychology, that uh, Beerus was doing on him while, while he's training. Like, Vegeta knows that there is no point talking to this guy right now, but uh, if he will be insisting, you know, of of trying to destroy them, Vegeta will do it. But the moment... Uh, granola would show some reason i'm pretty sure vegeta would would be more than willing to reason with him but i think that vegeta kind of gets this guy on some level you know like all his angst and stuff and i think that one of the most important elements that defines vegeta he was defined like the vegeta we have now was defined by two things First, of course, is his, you know, love for, for his newfound family and loyalty to his newfound friends. But the other one that, you know, shaped this character that talked to him a lot is a lot, a lot of times that he has been beaten up into a pulp. Yes, no, definitely. We've seen that time and time again. And really, the fandom has been conditioned at this point that every time Vegeta's always going like, I'm about to wreck your world and stuff like that, nobody believes him. It's like, oh, you're, 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 you're going to be just beaten up. But maybe this is the time that he actually wins or at least negates the fight. I think that Granola will uh, run away at some point. Like, that's, I think that's the best course of action for this early into the saga, you know, to just make him, you know, run away and regroup because I doubt Vegeta will end this fight. And the other alternative is Vegeta losing, which is also, which wouldn't be cool. Or, you know, him losing control over that form and having to fight Goku, but that would be dumb at this point. Mm. Yeah. Now, I I think you're, um, you're, you're musing about Granola running away sounds about right because at this moment granola is extremely desperate and he wants things to go his way and usually and as we've seen if things don't go his way he quickly folds and runs away or he doesn't have the wherewithal to be able to think on his feet whereas vegeta does so vegeta saw goku's problems with granola and there was able able to counter and at this point, he now has this transformation, which again, we'll talk about in a sec. But this is something that Granola may not have an answer to. And this may be strong enough technically to defeat Granola, but Granola is not going to get to that moment. He will run away because he will be frustrated with the fact that this power he's got has now been bested. And that line of Monaito is of, yeah, you may be strong now, but what about tomorrow? 
I mean, it's not verbatim, but that's the general gist of what he said a few chapters ago, is going to ring true. And we will slowly see Granola either giving way to the true main baddie of this arc, or we're going to see him get another wish on Torombo and go even more manic. He got scared, like Granola got freaked out in this chapter. Yes, he, he, his reaction definitely was genuine. If he was not scared about this new form, then he wouldn't have reacted at all because he wouldn't want to like give in to the Saiyans, as it were. He wouldn't want to like show that he was rattled, as it were. So he's not, he's not done that before in the battle. So now this is him genuinely showing that he did not expect this. Yeah, like one of them, to me, one of the more interesting things is uh, like the, that new form that Vegeta has, right? Uh, it's called apparently Hakai no Chikara or Power of Destruction, which is like pretty similar to the destroyer form that that Topo had. My my biggest question is, right, because Topo's form is uh, anime exclusive, the only time you see it in mangas, in the Heroes manga, did Toriyama or Toyotaro had any hand in designing Topo's form and, you know, if Vegeta will go, will go big and buff after, uh, after a moment, because it's kind of hinted that this is his omen form, right? That this is just the initial part of the transformation, just like Goku had with Ultra Instinct. So, so, you know, and I kind of, you know, like, when I look look at this form, uh, some people say that the pose was a little bit, you know, uh, not fortunate. But I think that it's deliberately shown to be a little bit more prime uh, primate-ish to show that the destruction comes from his most mo- most primal form, as it were. Like the hairstyle is super similar to Super Saiyan for Vegeta. Yes, definitely. And and I think, like, I I think it's you know it connects to the similar vibes as Super Saiyan Four does, but does it through, through you know, through the, uh, ener- like through the destruction energy. Who knows? Maybe like Vegeta will transform into like Ozaru, like God. I suppose now is as good a time as any to talk about the transformation, really, because I think that's what everybody just wants to know. Because the way that Vegeta gets this is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. In the way that Toyotaro and Toriyama have come up with this idea of Vegeta, for once, not getting frustrated and doing the Daka Daka all the times, he doesn't do that. Instead, he is um, he actually enjoys this, because this is probably the first time in a long time that he's had a battle which has actually gotten him excited. And yeah, sure, yeah, granted, people will say, well, what about the what about Zomosu, Goku Black, the tournament of power? Well, there were still moments of resentment in those arcs. Like the tournament of power to Vegeta, that was more that was more pressing at that time. There was the matter of reality being destroyed, so that was a higher priority. Um, with this arc, at the moment, there are no real stakes other than it's just a simple battle. There's no world being destroyed. There's no galaxy in danger. It's just a battle. And that simplicity is what really gets under Vegeta's skin. And that's why 
him losing and being injured doesn't anger him. It excites him. He loves it. He has the quote unquote happy place, which is something really, really exciting. And this is something we're seeing Vegeta loving battle. And this is like the Saiyan saga Vegeta that we saw. And this is really good. And that's the catalyst that gets him into this destroyer form. And also that he has an opponent that he totally gets. Like he laughs from his angst, but he was in a a similar position. Like basically he feels like he's fighting himself from Saiyan Saga by using his own part of the Saiyan Saga. And you know, maybe that was the key to chill Jita all the time. Not forgetting about all of that. But to make peace, uh, be, like you know, making peace between two halves of Vegeta, you know, the Science Saga Vegeta and post Boo Vegeta. Yes, no, definitely. So, in a way, Vegeta is now seeing himself as his own worst enemy, and seeing that contrast to where he was when we first saw him at the beginning of Dragon Ball Z to where he is now, Granola apings, no pun intended. Saiyan Saga Vegeta is quite revealing. And this is really starting to show that this arc is a Vegeta arc. This is not a Goku arc because Goku, he's not really done anything. He's not like taken the lead. He's actually struggled against Granola. And and maybe this is where Ultra Instinct takes a backseat for a while in that it's not the main focus of the story. And instead, It's Vegeta's own personal growth and him discovering a power that could counter Ultra Instinct. Because at the moment, we know enough about Ultra Instinct to go by, but with the Hakai powers and Destroyer powers, we don't really know much about them. So this is this saga is the best opportunity for us to do so. Granted, Vegeta acquiring it that quickly is a little bit bogus, but... You know, at least we see that there is a montage and that he didn't instantly get the power, but it was still pretty quick. Also, he was trying to get Ultra Instinct for a long time, so he had, you know, a lot of inert power, but it went nowhere, basically. Yes, it it wasn't being channeled in the proper direction. Yeah. And and I and I think he acquired it so fast. Like, the reason he acquired it so fast is because Beerus saw that he's ready for that. Okay. That's what I that's what I think. That that's why Beerus decided to train him now because he knew that he's close to attaining this. Right. So all that Beerus had to do was just point him in the right direction and the rest would follow. Yeah. And motivate him and motivate him in, in a in a right way. That's that's how I would quote unquote defend it, you know? And even during the fight, Vegeta still tries to, you know, to be that anti-psychologist for for uh you know for granola even noting uh, and uh, showing how, how how much of a you know uh, of a hypocrite he is by destroying uh, d- destroying the planet and and the cityscape. Yeah, no, that that was a really good nod to Vegeta actually understanding Granola, and he's just like, "You're becoming everything you ever hated." You know, you're destroying your past. You're destroying the people that you live with. And then Granola's answer to that is just shut up. And it just shows what his priorities are. And also the fact that Oatmeal has decided to show up for the first time in a while and try to calm him down means that basically Granola, he's beyond reason. Like he's not even listening to his, se- you know, to his second. And that is quite telling. I mean, I my first reaction granted to Oatmeal suddenly was like, where were you earlier? Where, where, where did you go? 
And this does lend some credence to the fact that maybe, as have and I've mused, that may- maybe this oatmeal guy is either an AI or a guy in a desk or guy at a computer or something like that. So we we don't know for sure. We'll find out probably near the end of the saga. But for now, Oatmeal just conveniently showed up to tell us that yeah, Granola is starting to lose himself. Yeah. Also, can we can we just talk about the best line in a manga for a while? Yeah. Uh, rankings are good as well, but they only reflect a moment in in time. Once that moment has passed by it's nothing but history it's so good line it's like oh my gosh oh man that's calling out all the power levelers seriously that that's a really good there have been lots some really good one-liners in this saga and it really confuses me that yeah i've seen a lot of people saying that this manga arc is trash and i'm like no it's not it's it's a little weirdly paced at the yeah at the moment, but it's coming back strong. It's exploring things that Dragon Ball hasn't explored before. That's why I think a lot of people don't quite like it because it's a bit differently paced to what we normally get. In that it's being quite introspective with the character itself, and yeah, I will openly say Granola is quite annoying at the moment, but. It's okay for them to be annoying. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's written to be annoying. Like they write him to be annoying right now. Like it's it, it, like we are supposed to be annoyed by by, by how Granola behaves right now. Yeah, mm, definitely. And the fact that people are getting irritated by it and saying this is the worst saga ever, then that's showing that it's working. That it's you're supposed to not like Granola. Not the fact that he's a bad guy, but just because he's a jerk. And the fact that he just will not listen to anybody. And now here comes Vegeta to lay the smack down in the best way possible. In quite frankly, the best introduction of a new transformation in Super. Yeah, granted, it's it's suddenly come out of nowhere. But the, where it came from in terms of like the core and the motivation for it, pure Vegeta. Absolutely 100%. And to be fair, so little Dry Instinct like also came out of nowhere if you think about it. Uh, true. So I guess, it, 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 again, it's more parallels towards Ultra Instinct. Uh, and we did sort of have some allusions to it in like the similar way to, oh, there is a level beyond Super Saiyan in that, you know, we saying that there is a power to get from this. So we we had allusions to it. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It it did suddenly pop out of nowhere for after a black hole and Super Saiyan Blue and all that. That was quite weird in itself. But I think we can easily say that Chapter 74 it definitely got people talking. One thing I can tell you from the analytics alone is that, yeah, a lot of people are now interested in the manga again. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting and look forward to chapter 75 coming out on the 18th of this month of August. Uh, I'm actually going to be away again on vacation in Wales, so I'm going to have to take my I'm going to have to take my equipment with me. But if the Internet is a problem there, then I ain't going to be reviewing that until I get back. So, it's going to be touch and go with that Silly one. Silly, Mas. You cannot record inside of a whale. Ah, ha, ha. Try telling that to Jonah. <laughs> or Pinocchio. Or Pinocchio. Uh, okay. Let's get on to the next part of this discussion. And by the way, if you're enjoying this podcast, do leave a subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. It will really help us out and let us know that you're liking what we're talking about. I think we hit a thousand followers on Spotify recently. So that's pretty cool. That's great. Thank you to everyone listening on Spotify in particular. But 
thank you for listening in general, wherever you are. But yeah, so we've got to talk about the movie. Uh, Have you were away at the time of the announcement, but I did a live stream with Carthu and I, yeah, Carthu is cool, but it's not the same without you. Oh, shags. <laughs> no, but it was nice for Carthu to show up in yeah, the other last minute. So you're very grateful toward him. Kudos. But uh, the live stream. <laughs> oh, man. The li- it, it turns out it wasn't a live stream. It was pre-recorded. And basically on the Comic Con website, it said it was going to be a live stream. But no, it opened a link to a pre-recorded video. So if you really want to do you could have skipped, but I didn't skip. We had 5,000 people listening to that, li- watching the live stream, which is really great. Thank you out there if you were actually watching the live stream at the time. Um, it, it was worth actually watching the whole thing. It was very well produced, and it was great to see Kageyama Hironobu doing some singing of Chala Hechela live. So that he still got it. He's definitely still got it. Um, but the main thing we need to get out of the bush is... The name of the movie, Dragon Ball Super, Superhero. What are your thoughts? It's, I mean, you know, like, come on, like, we know that there's something in Japan culture and the names, like, it's almost like the names of Nintendo products. Yeah, that is true. Like, 3DS XL, like, you know. Mm. But to be quite honest, I think that this title might be meaningful. I don't know if you've seen Cartoon and Geekdom talk about this, that this might be more on a slice of life thing and about Pan, who who might be a key character in that movie, like learning about what, you know, what being a hero means and becoming a hero on her own. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, Carthu and I on the live stream, when we saw those pictures of Pan, I was excited. I was like gasping and like, I was so thrilled to see that Pan, that there was a time skip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know how long the time skip is exactly, but it's at least by at least two years. It's at least two. I think uh, Pan looks older than in Z. It might be post Z, which we all hope for. If it is... It, it will really depend on the plot, whether this actually goes past End of Z or whether it rewrites End of Z altogether. Like, maybe if Pan's like six or something like that and is going to grade school or kindergarten for the first time and Piccolo is the one to look after her. So, like, it's a Pan and Piccolo adventure, which yeah, that's what we got. We got those initial sketches. And, of course, Sheriff Krillin. So Krillin's had a promotion. He's had a cr- He's now the sheriff. I'm the sheriff of this here parts. This place is too big for the both of us, pal. <laughs> that, that that was really pleasing. Um, but uh, Sheriff Krill. <laughs> and of course, people like the fact that Piccolo has a house now with a mailbox, which implies he gets mail, which is amazing. I love this stuff. And honestly, all this stuff, the people that absolutely despise this and say, ooh, Dragon Ball Slice of Life, I feed on their resentment. I'm loving this. This is so good. It's so good in the sense of that this is the kind of development that we need for Dragon Ball. We need this. And this is why we do R&R. This is why there is a market for people wanting to have slice of life in Dragon Ball. Of course, you're going to get action in it. Of course it is. That's what it's about. But first and foremost, Dragon Ball is meant to be a comedy. It's a comedy series with, you could call it dramedy. 
Like, there, there are some dramatic and tragic moments in Dragon Ball. Yeah, sure, of course there is. But first and foremost, it's about comedy. And comedy and slice of life go hand in hand. You get some wholesome content, you're off to the races. And I, with the fact that with Pan being involved in this and being one of the first character designs leaked, I'm okay with this. I'm absolutely okay with this. I have no issues with this at all. It's absolutely wonderful. And I'm thrilled because Pan in Dragon Ball Z and Super has been fantastic. It's completely made us forget about GT Pan altogether. And by the way, GT Pan in the Japanese dub is far less irritating than the dub. So she's tolerable in the in the sub of GT. And 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 Xenopan in, in Heroes is kind of cool. Oh yes, yes, of course. Yeah. Xenopan in Heroes, very, very cute and endearing. Absolutely. That it was just bad luck with the dub at the time. The direction for Pan at the time was not great. Of of course, you know, like people are not sold on the art style. Like we've seen just a very short thing. They can easily, you know, polish it up. But I will say I will say that for now it could have been much worse. Yeah. I, I, first and foremost, the, the design ain't bad. It's not bad at all. It's way better than what we saw in Resurrection F. In that it looked a bit clunky and it looked like it didn't belong. In the Broly movie, they were improving and it was pretty good when we saw it in Elements. And the fact that they were incorporating 2D elements with like the key and fire and stuff like that. So it was like almost a mesh of things together. That was really cool. But what does this mean in general now? Does this mean that is it going to be entirely CG? Is it going to be CG backgrounds and like maybe some more, just more CG in terms of the action? We don't know. We all we saw really was a glorified tech demo and the fact that Goku fought, like what we saw in the first um, animated teaser of Broly, him jumping around and stuff like that, it's practically identical. Um, It's just to showcase what you can expect. And one thing I'd like to take away from all this is that the colours seem to be more manga accurate. So that's an interesting thing that... They're going away from the Shintani style from the Broly movie a bit. It's going a bit back to the original manga. So they're modeling the, the well, I guess I have to say the models, like these, the, the sprites or whatever they're gonna, you can gonna call them on the manga. They look more natural to that. So it looks closer to Toyotaro's design in a way. And the colors, again, they are to the original manga colors. Like Goku's gi is more orange. The... The fleshy pads on on Piccolo are more yellowy, like they are in the manga. And yeah, and as we need to point out also, we have two other character designs that we, for people that are going to be movie exclusive. And for the moment, we don't really know much about them, except that they are, as Dragon Ball likes to do, a pair. We have Vegeta and Nappa. We have Dodoria and Zarbon. Uh, Dabura and Barbady. Dragon Ball likes to do things in pairs. Abel and Cardo from the Yohira's uh, Son Goku and his French Return. There you go. You could say Tabal and Gure as well. This will be similar. Like this movie may have similar vibes, which isn't a bad thing. Like it's it feels lackluster now, but back then it was a big thing, you know? Mm, I think it would have helped it standing within the community if it actually got a dub. But at the moment, it's just, it's a place where you cannot get it 
like you cannot get it through traditional means. It's sort of become a legend for new fans. Like new fans have probably never seen it or they've just seen clips. But I remember back in 2008, it was a big deal. It was the most animated thing we were going to get for a long time. This was, this was before even Dragon Ball Evolution was a thing. And Kai, that, that wasn't a thing. So yeah, that, that was the best we were going to get at the time. And we, we latched onto it, even though it was only a half hour special. We latched onto that dearly. So before we get further, I wanted to concentrate on those two new characters. Like, you know what they remind me of? Like their, uh, their gear? Like they obviously meant to be some sort of, uh, like pirates or peacekeeping force, but like they outfits are so like imperial officers from, from Star Wars. Like, like Grand Moff Tarkin. Like, if you take away those buttons and stuff, look, like, this is so much like Imperial officers. Oh, okay. And, the, I mean, I will admit, but those those blasters they have are very Super Sentai. So, I get the vibe, the fact they have one and two on them. A lot of Super Sentai costumes have the numbers on their suits. So, this could be a cro- cross between... Uh, yeah, a combination of Super Sentai as well as Imperial officers. Like, are they a double act? Do they work for somebody else? Are they superheroes? Are they villains? You know, because like they don't n- n- look that nefarious to be villains. They may be henchmen, or you know, they there might be like they're not from Galactic Patrol. They have that you know reversed L on their belts. So I'm curious who like who who, who those people are. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. It's a. Uh, in a way, you can sort of like get some meaning based on the symbol and stuff like that. Like if it's an up would upside down L, could you expect some subversion in there? You don't know. Maybe we just have to have a look on online for similar symbols and stuff like that. But at the at the end, these clearly, like with Mirus, uh, these kind of characters, which come in to tell our heroes that there is something going down that they need our hero's requirements. They need their help in some way. These are the people that will bring the story to us, most likely. The fact it's called superhero might have something to do with Pan being recruited or something like that. Or, and I've seen this a lot, maybe we might see a great Saiyaman movie after all. Like, it might be Pan and Gohan and Piccolo leading the charge. But I I, I don't understand how that could work because Goku, I mean... I. This could be a complete red herring seeing Goku all animated and stuff. Maybe this is just a side story. Like maybe Goku's away training with Broly or something with like Oob. that. With Oob. Or with Oob. Yes, exactly. But then people will go like, but wait a minute. He's not wearing his end of Z gi. Well, we don't know whether end of Z has been written over or not or has been adapted. We don't know that yet. We'll only figure that out once we get more content. But at the moment, we have nothing else. Also, come on, Goku will pop up in some capacity, maybe for the last fa- battle or, or something. Like, you can be sure about that. Like, Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But it would be super refre- refreshing. Like, for now, a lot of the story department of this movie s- seems like what we've been preaching as long as we work together. So it's like... Four years or something. Yes. Well, almost five in a way. Jeez. Almost five. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, like, we, fa- like, I think somebody finally heard the feedback of some part of community that, that we want some development, you know? 
and and like I'm 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 very grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, all that I've seen about this movie is the fact that there is nothing that perturbs me about what I've heard, apart from the name. Uh, the name is a, and even then, the name doesn't make me angry, but the name just confuses me. I'm like, okay. There's still not very many clues. I mean, when Dragon Ball Super Broly dropped the name, people immediately got it and immediately were concerned about with Broly. I mean, that that concern didn't last very long at all once they saw the animation. But people understood vaguely what the show was going to be about. Now, we still don't really have a clue. And in a way, is that a good thing? I think it is a good thing. I think it is a good thing. Because they can they can drop informations later on. I think they might drop something with the next manga chapter. Like they will drop drop some info with each month. Yeah, because we we have the official Dragon Ball news website, so we have to just keep our eyes peeled to that for any more information. Uh, but usually with I think we got we got a trailer of or the first trailer about six months out from the movie release last time. Um. We may get that similar thing. So maybe when the trailer drops, like the first main one, we might get like, it'll be six months to go. Uh, but one thing we need to take into consideration is that at the end of that te- of that little teaser we got is about uh, the release schedule in that it's not going to be a simultaneous release. It's not. But we don't know how long the gaps will be from Japan to the rest of the world. We don't know that. But uh, unfortunately, it probably scuppers the idea for me to be able to go to Japan and probably try and see it early because I don't know what, what, what like COVID restrictions and stuff like that about traveling and whatnot. So it's not going to be the same of being able to see Broly and Rapongi with no subtitles, 40x. Uh, a 40x experience with Dragon Ball, that was pretty awesome, I will say. And the fact that nobody cheered and clapped and stuff like that, despite Gogeta being on the screen, that was like weird. Very surreal, but very Japanese in a way. But I won't be seeing this movie anytime soon. I'll be seeing it alongside everybody else. And I'm sort of okay with that. But we shall see. But that's all I think we've got to say about this and chapter 74 of the manga. So, Hav, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure. And, and thank you all out there for listening. If you would like to help support the channel and the podcast, do to go to masterco.cc slash look out for more information, as well as subscribing on your podcasting platform of choice and leave a rating if you can. That'd be really, really helpful. But until the next time, everybody, I hope you're all staying safe and we again will be making more Dragon Ball content for you in the fullness of time. Until the next time we meet each other on the airwaves, thank you very much for listening. Ta-da! Bye!